if I were writing the Bill of Rights now, there wouldn't be any such thing as the Second Amendment. Which says? That uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the defense of the state, the people's rights to bear arms. This has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud, I repeat the word fraud, on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now just look at those words. There are only three lines to that amendment. A well-regulated militia. If the militia, which was going to be the state army, was going to be well-regulated, why shouldn't 16 and 17 and 18 or any other age persons be regulated in the use of arms the way an automobile is regulated? a little chat with the nice man in the white coat. You, you, you don't understand. There are aliens living in my dishwasher. Just come this way. No, look. We're here to help. No, they come out at night, and then they try to steal all my guns. Just come this way, sir. No, really. I, I've seen them. They're long, spindly creatures with big green eyes and, 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 and tentacles. And they eat all my cereal, too. Now, not the sweet stuff, mind you, just the Weetabix. What, why do you suppose they do that? Well, we'll sort it all out. Just come this way. Yes, I think you should all work that out. Hello, friends, and uh, welcome in to this, the 199th edition of Fusebox, severely entitled Button Man. And I'm your deregulating as many militias as humanly possible host, Mark Rose, and over there, fully engrossed in his copy of Guns and Ammo magazine, The Swimsuit Edition, is the sonic bounty hunter himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. Yeah, well, uh, thank you kindly. What the hell, man? (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, it just doesn't quit, does it? A couple of weekends ago was like evidently the deadliest weekend for mass shootings for this year. Well, it's it, it's out of control and very clearly uh, needs to be controlled. Now, I'm going to tell you, the only damn thing I'm grateful for in these things is when the shooter takes himself out. Well, sadly, a drastic option, Mr. Keynes. Well, I I mean, at least it doesn't clog up the courts. Well, I suppose there is that. You know, this is quite a problem. Again, it's one of the things we just can't ignore adding our voices to on this particular program. Uh, As much as we try desperately to uh, return to the more abnormal format that we prefer... Yeah. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Yeah, yeah, a failure to take any action, it would seem. Yeah, because the special interests and lobbyists seem to be calling all the gun regulation shots. I saw what you did there. You're welcome. Yeah. 
Well, yes, it uh, it does seem to be uh, endlessly stalled. Or worse, as we know, it can become vague. Seems that all the recent suggestions to curb this uh, gun violence issue, it, it, it absolutely addresses everything but the guns themselves. Well, you got that, that pinhead, Ted Cruz, suggesting uh, just lock the doors. Or maybe just put more police in the school. Is he high? Yeah, well, you know, on that police guard idea, there was one at the last shooting in uh, Uvalde, but uh, sadly, didn't didn't really help much. And as far as locking doors or, oh God, even dumber, limiting the access points to a school building. Excuse me, Ted. Have you met the fire marshal? Yeah, he's going to love that single access idea. Sure. Yeah. And because uh, when the next one happens and uh, you've locked everybody out from escaping from that wound up SOB with an AR-15... It'll be a case of fish in a barrel, if you know what I mean. Sadly, yes. Yeah. See, the thing is, this can't be done on just one level, especially (laughs) locking doors. The guy has a gun. You think a lock is going to stop these people? Look, there has to be systemic adjustment. Sure, mental health screening is a must, absolutely. But uh, again doesn't do any good or little good if uh, only the states with the lowest ratio of these types of offenses go ahead and do that. No, you need to enact extremely strict screenings absolutely everywhere, globally. I I gotta say, man, the damn gun does only one thing. It destroys shit doesn't build anything, doesn't create a damn thing, except maybe create maimed and dead people. And I, yeah, and you know what? I think it would also be safe to uh, interject here that the uh, legislation to regulate this truly abuse of a firearm, it's not targeting the responsible gun owner. Yeah, that's all we did there. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do, isn't it? I mean, so much of our language is wrapped up in these damn weapon analogies. Or sports. Oh, yeah, or sports, yeah. But uh, at least they are a, li- a little less uh, violent in the sports category there. Well, it's like you say, man. It seems as though anytime there is any talk at all about this, it, it, it looks to everywhere but the thing that caused the damage in the first place. People? <laughs> Well, you may have a point there. (laughs) Well, uh, only partially the issue. See, does everybody truly need access to uh, military-grade assault rifles or uh, bazookas? How about an ICBM or nine? How about that? I mean, at some point, a simple personal defense weapon kind of needs to be clearly defined. Well, now, a bazooka is a pretty good personal defense weapon, bro. Kind of bulky, though, right? Yeah, but you just got to get the right harness for it. You know, there's some really nice Ralph Lauren designs out there. Uh, Gucci, even. It's very stylish, Mr. Keynes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we started the show in the pre-roll there with the now pretty well-known quote by Supreme Court Justice Warren Burger, who, uh, back in 1991, made a rather startling statement regarding the Second Amendment, which is, the, uh, of course, the favorite talking point by, uh, well, uh, 
mostly gun fanatics, uh, not again, responsible firearm owners. Although, there would be more than a handful of them, too, who would point to this thing. Yeah, very likely. Um, the Second Amendment, in my humble opinion, is uh, grossly misinterpreted. And I know, this just crushes the living daylights out of them. The Second Amendment refers to a, quote, well-regulated militia, that being an agency of the federal government set up by and for the aforementioned government, not by Ted from down the street who likes to wear camouflage and prefers to be called Sarge, despite the fact he never actually served an active day of military service in his entire life. This militia, as the uh, amendment states, would be, again, well-regulated, meaning with strict oversights in place. Clearly, these folks are, are reading some translation of this amendment that was drafted by the bizarro version of the NRA. Yeah, hey, just keep the damn facts out of this thing. I just want to go shoot something. And I think that's the second issue. Few of these folks might need a wee bit of professional counseling to adjust their mental perspectives. Well, how about we adjust their perspective, as you call it, with the mental health hammer? Well, I think that's kind of making it worse, really. Not for me. I feel great. And that is what's truly important, isn't it, friends? We feel great. And you get the mental health hammer. So, you know, this, this uh, rollback of uh, interpretation of the Second Amendment actually became a thing when uh, Justice Scalia gave his opinion on the language several years ago. And it, it, uh, it seemed at the time to really... Uh, ignite or maybe even reignite the whole thing again by stating that the language in the amendment was, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, the language was of its time and uh, needs to be broadened to include individual citizens. <laughs> well, just saying, there's a lot of very uh, convoluted and confusing language in the Constitution. But in the Second Amendment, it's pretty damn clear. And with uh, due respect to Justice Scalia... Really? Hell no. Um, <laughs> I don't think for one moment that the language was of its time, nor do I think it needs to be uh, reinterpreted to extend to individual citizens who are clearly not what the Second Amendment was referring to. Well, now, uh, here in Oregon, we've got an initiative petition circulating right now. It's uh, IP-17. Now, it's got till July to get enough of the signatures required together to uh, get it on the ballot. Yeah, yes, we do. And uh, I, by the way, I'm putting a link to uh, that petition in the show notes for uh, anyone living in our area here to uh, go and uh, easily sign and then uh, mail it back. Yes, I did say mail it back. It just keeps it all legal and above boards, friends. And uh, for those who do who do not live here, just go to the website uh, and uh, take a look at some of the things on there for a uh, wake-up call on uh, the warnings that pertain to uh, every state in this union, really. Well, here's a bullet point for you. You know what? We really got to stop doing that. 
Well, and, and this is just Oregon now. From the years 2016 to 2021, firearm homicides increased in our state 73%. Our population, though, only increased by a little over 6%. Yeah, that seems a little out of alignment. Yeah? And the initiative, uh, IP17, suggests uh, these remedies for this uh, rather out-of-control gun situation. So, requiring a permit to purchase, also called licensing in other places, and limiting high-capacity magazines completely. Also, the buyer must pass a background check. You think? (laughs) Yes. Also... The buyer must pass a classroom and hands-on firearm training course. Hell, I'd do that in a heartbeat. If I'm carrying one of those things, I'd want to be really good at using it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Copy that. It also limits magazine capacity to 10 rounds. And lastly... It stops the sale, transfer, trade, or manufacture of high-capacity magazines in Oregon for civilian use. Yeah, it just makes sense to me. But yeah, I read where uh, uh, states that have licensing laws have uh, like 56% less shooting. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a damn good start. If this can get on the ballot here, it'll surely pass in Oregon, for sure. Absolutely. And a lot of folks around the country are keeping an eye on how this particular uh, initiative plays out. They actually call this one the uh, Oregon model. So uh, if it does well here, then it's likely to find its way into other states' ballots. And uh, frankly, let's just use this as an analogy, shall we? If you were having, um, let's say, a medical procedure, don't you want the guy or gal behind the surgical mask there to have some certification or education or validation prior to wielding that shiny and very sharp cutting object. Because in, in essence, the person carrying a weapon has a responsibility as well to know what the hell they are doing as they could easily end a life carelessly. Or purposefully. Sadly, yes. Sadly, yes. Well, we'll take a a small break here and uh, return with uh, more fun and frivolity, friends. Um, are we at frivolity yet? So why don't we go see? The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. Fuseboxshow.com. And we are back, bro. Well, thank you, sir. So the uh, title of our intrepid little episode here, Button Man, refers to, well, for lack of a better term, a hitman or an assassin. And uh, by the way, m- most of the mass shooting events in recent times have been young males under the age of 30, (laughs) conspicuously absent from the stats, (laughs) are women mass shooters. Yeah, a short list of none. (laughs) It's not surprising, yeah. (laughs) You know, 
did you ever wonder, like, like sometimes during these mass shootings, and I mean, this scenario seems like it's been going on forever, right? After all the mayhem is over, the shooter then turns the gun on himself. Yeah, you know what? We actually talked about that very scenario a couple of years ago when uh, uh, an event like this was again in the news. Uh, it's a very common outcome in these things. And I, I, I share your uh, raised eyebrow in this case, Mr. Keynes. I do. Well, you know, not to get all conspiratorial on you here, but I mean, it's almost like they have some pre-programmed purpose. And then at the end of their uh, mission, they're supposed to terminate themselves. And, of course, we're not the first to speculate on this, of course. They've made countless films about this idea, the most famous being the uh, Manchurian Candidate, adapted from the, what was it, 1959 novel by uh, Richard Gordon, I think. Yeah, wasn't uh, Frank Sinatra in that one? Yeah, yeah, he was in the 1962 version. There's a television series uh, from around that same period of time, The Outer Limits, uh, did a take on it too, an episode called The 100 Days of the Dragon, also, again, from, uh, as we said, 1963, but that one had a slightly different twist on the idea. Same outcome, though, programmed assassin. I mean, you just gotta wonder. It, It goes way beyond the term senseless killing now. You know, is this some kind of black ops idea to keep everybody uh, just panicking all the time? You know, keep people in a state Yeah, of- you know what? I've heard this theory before, too. I, I of course, don't know the answer. I, I do know that the, quote, uh, thoughts and prayers, condolence, is, is getting a little long in the tooth and should never have reached that status, ever. At some point... It just becomes like meaningless political drivel. Well, thoughts and prayers don't stop these asshats from killing people. Clearly. Yeah, I've heard that frustration echoed a lot lately, too. I I think it's really uh, telling that when we look at places around the world, and even in our own country, when uh, steps are taken to remedy this situation, uh, that the uh, the end result is a reduction in gun violence. (laughs) I mean, so... Any resistance at all to adopt these changes is, is clearly because of powerful influences. It just says we got to take a hard look at the, at the folks on both sides of the aisle that are doing nothing to install these changes. And at the same time, maybe ask why. But we know the answer, bro. Money. Seems that way, man. What we need is a nice big follow the money chart showing all the greased palms from where and to whom it goes. You know what? I'm sure that data is out there. And you know the NRA is a player, all right, but not alone in this thing. I bet there are some surprising allies in this deal. Well, here's here's what I can tell you, that uh, there, there was a study conducted by uh, Dr. Cass Crefasi, and uh, he is the deputy director of John Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Prevention and Policy. And uh, this, too, uh, speaks to what we were saying earlier about responsible gun owners. So over 76% of those polled would support background checks. Now, now these were white folks. In the uh, African-American community, 77% agreed. And in the Latin community, 78% were in favor of these gun control measures. 
You got any uh, stats on Republicans? <laughs> yes, I do. And you know what? This will amaze you. Now, we're talking here about voters, not legislators, okay? Just start out with that. In a uh, 2021 poll, 85% of folks polled who said they were either Republican or Republican-leaning favored the control of weapon sales. 90% of the folks that said they were Democrats or Democratic-leaning said they supported the same measures. Huh. So it looks like the log jam here is with... Congress. Same as it ever was. Seems like a no-brainer, as they say. The voters have spoken. But they're not listening because all the cash stuffed in their ears is making them deaf. You know, as much discontent that has been already logged with all the recent shootings in the past uh, two, three years, it's clear that just isn't enough. The intoxicating lure of uh, uh, benefits... From these special interests, you know, fill in your favorite brand of interest here, uh, is just too compelling for these legislators. And uh, that, of course, is uh, not how it's supposed to work. (laughs) They're supposed to be working for their constituents. You know, the thing is, some of their constituents don't want any further controls. Yeah, that's what we're told. And I and I got to believe that that mystical one-third is in effect again, because the polls don't bear that out, just like the one we talked about. I, I think, as we know from uh, uh, recent elections... There is, of course, this rabid one-third of the population that is very tightly aligned with some extremely conservative, perhaps even uh, militantly conservative ideals. They don't, however, make up the majority of even the Republican voters, at least not yet. (laughs) And uh, I think it's uh, going to get a lot harder to ignore the vast majority of voices regardless of party affiliation, who want to get some control on this thing. Hey, they have kids, too. I sure hope you're right, bro. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a time in at least uh, my stay on this planet that we've got a country so damn divided. Well, it's it's safe to assume that uh, uh, some of that uh, division is a little manufactured. We keep coming back to this idea of critical thinking on this show, and and it's key uh, in all of these things. You just have to look beyond the headlines and the over-sensationalized news bites and the crafty political maneuvering and all that. That's a whole lot of looking beyond, bro, but I, I I know what you mean. We live in the spin zone. Everything is spun to address the agenda of whomever is talking. We do indeed, sir. We do indeed. Well, before we uh, close out here, I I wanted to remind everyone that uh, we are, (laughs) as crazy as this sounds, (laughs) celebrating, in spite of the horrible events that seem to plague us uh, presently, we are in fact celebrating the 200th episode of our humble little show here at the uh, wondrous spot in town, Suicide Sally's, where we will be doing a uh, live recording with uh, special guests and surprises and... uh, Drinking. (laughs) Yes, beverages, as uh, we just ramble aimlessly about everything that has and uh, will transpire in the Fusebox universe. Um, I know Milt 
Regina and Jeff will be there, and uh, yours truly, of course. Well, I, I sure hope so. I mean, who's going to hold the mic stands if you weren't there? <laughs> it's nice to be missed. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a hoot. It'll be a hoot. Hey, uh, speaking of hoots, did you ever find out where that uh, critter flew off to from the last show? I mean, um, I... uh, well, n- actually, no. Funny you mention that, though, because I did see a trail of what appeared to be shredded crackers leading from the pantry to a closet door, but nothing in there when I looked. Yeah. Curious thing is, uh, I don't eat crackers, and not sure how... That was the curious thing? The crackers. Well, how about the lizard bird with antlers that practically took out the voice booth? Yeah... And with that cracker-infused conundrum, we'll call it a show, but uh, not before thanking our contributor to this edition of the program, Aaron Lane, for splendid and thoroughly captivating, as always, ID-ification. Thanks as well to the skilled digits of the completely non-digital man of the meters, Milt Keynes, for uh, technical assistance and so forth and so on. A pleasure subscribed yet to this show, there's no better time like right now to do that thing. So uh, just mash that subscribe button wherever you may have found this thing, because who the hell knows where this stuff shows up anymore? Our modern age, Mr. Keynes. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And uh, also, you can visit thefuseboxshow.com for a uh, bevy of interesting ephemera like past shows and... Oh, and go ahead and be daring. And visit the Fusebox store, too, while you uh, have a mind to do so. Well, because you never know when they might come back for your mind. So, uh, best to be all multitasking and shit. Great advice, yeah. And, uh, friends, again, please do join us on the next one. The big 200th episode of Fusebox. It uh, just wouldn't be the same without you. I have been your reaching escape velocity in a lawn chair of my own design host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon.